All right, so we will start with our um, first question, which is basically introduction. So if you'll introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, the educational background, um, and even your work background, and then um, go for it. So we'll start on this thing. So I'm okay. No pressure. Stay closest to the podium. <laughs> My name is Kevin Elias, and uh, I am the Freshwater Muscle Program Leader for the state of West Virginia. Uh, I was a DNE alum from 2013. Uh, from there, I worked at the DNR for a couple of years, uh, then went back to school. I got my master's at Virginia Tech, then begun a PhD at WVU um, in 2017, and then started working for the DNR in 2020, um, and basically took over the freshwater muscle program. I'm Chad Westfall, Landmark Forestry. We're a forest consulting shop based out of Weston, West Virginia. Um, happen to be the largest consulting shop based out of West Virginia, but in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're still fairly small, probably in the top 10, maybe 15. At any rate, I got into forest consulting initially because I just enjoyed the outdoors, had a genuine love for hiking, biking, hunting, and fishing. And um, and realized that that a local college, Columbus State College, had a, a forest technology degree, and I applied for Glenville and, and received a forest tech degree as well as a land surveying degree from Glenville State, and uh, then went on to Western University and received my bachelor's in forest resource management. During my education, I interned with the West Virginia Division of Forestry, which gave me a, at that time, they were offering some very unique land owner services, almost consulting type services. And I realized at that point that, that the service-based industry is where I wanted to be. And uh, that transitioned into some internships with various consultants, Landmark being one of them. Uh, and in, in 2000, when I graduated, I, I went to work for Landmark, and I've been here ever since. I worked my way up through the ranks from being uh, a field personnel to land manager of about 100,000 acre group of properties to now director of operations for going on 13 years. I've been here 24 years, but uh, been at my current role, the director of operations for about 13 years. And that all started with an internship, which we uh, we we try to encourage students to apply for an internship. We enjoy their uh, the, the time we spend with them and and encourage that heavily. Hi, I'm uh, Robert Shamo. I work for the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service out of Philippine. Um, I graduated from Davis Dumas College in 2017 with degrees in environmental science and sustainability studies. While in college, I worked three field seasons with Trout Unlimited, um, mostly on Wall National Forest, the one that partnership worked. After graduation, I worked for J.F. Allen Company in Elkins. Um, initially as an equipment operator, I was eventually offered a position as environmental technician. After about a year of doing that, I was offered a full-time position at Trout Unlimited. Went back to TU and did, uh, I was mostly a heavy equipment operator on private lands, uh, restoration type work. 
while I'm doing that work, I've met or discovered the NRCS and, and met some of their technicians. And they seem to really enjoy their jobs. And then one night in a hotel room, I got online and there was an NRCS opening in my home county. So I applied and I've been here for three years. Super, thank you. My name is Mike Elza and I'm an ecologist for the Monongahela National Forest. Um, I'm based out of the office in Bartow. And um, I grew up in Elkins and uh, went to WBU for my undergrad where I majored in biology. Um, and so when I first started at WBU, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I think like the rest of the panel here, I grew up spending a lot of time outside hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, that sort of thing. Um, but really didn't have any exposure to natural resource management as a career option um, until my second year into my biology uh, degree when I took an ecology course and just fell in love with it at that point. So at that point, I decided to, to pick up another major and ended up finishing with a degree in biology and a degree in wildlife and fisheries resource management. At the same time that I switched over, uh, well, onto more of an ecology track, I got an itch internship in a lab with uh, Dr. James McGraw, who was kind of like the premier uh, expert on American ginseng. And so I worked in his lab and got into plant ecology and got interested in, in birds there. And I worked in his lab for was three years in total, um, including another field season after I graduated from WDU. And at that point, I knew that I wanted to go on to graduate school. And so um, I was becoming a lot more interested in birds or ornithology at that point. And so I ended up going to graduate school in Canada at a university called University of Guelph, which was about an hour west of Toronto. And so I was studying population dynamics of a pretty common songbird species, Savannah sparrows, um, out on an isolated island off the coast of New Brunswick. So I spent my field seasons in New Brunswick, um, what was in Ontario, so the other part of my uh, grad career. Um, after that, I really wanted to get out west, and so I got into the consulting world and um, worked as a wildlife biologist for a pretty small consulting firm in Washington State, and I was primarily doing work with sage grouse on uh, an army base in Yakima, Washington. Um, I did that for about a year before realizing that the high desert wasn't a place that I wanted to be. And so I moved back to Canada. I moved to Vancouver Island in British Columbia and was working for another consulting firm there. Um, and for that work, I was spent some time in Alberta in the oil sands, doing some work with oil companies. Uh, but the bulk of my time was spent working with indigenous groups on Vancouver Island. So um, helping to manage elk populations, for example. Um, but yeah, after being out west for a handful of years, I really missed this area and wanted to get back to Appalachia. And so um, moved back this way and um, just based off connections I had in the community here, I got in touch with uh, a group that's helping the Forest Service actually with some coal mine, uh, mineland restoration up on Sheep Mountain about an hour south of Elkins. And so the Forest Service is doing that work in partnership with a nonprofit called Green Forest Work. And so I reached out to Green Forest Work and just kind of made a connection. Um, didn't really know people, but just said, hey, 
I'm a biologist in the area um, looking for work and you know, they asked me to volunteer for a week and then that turned into a job after that. And so, um, yeah, I worked for Greenforce Work for probably eight months before I switched over to the Forest Service, which is where I've been for about the last three years now. Super. Thank you. <clears throat> so, um, first question uh, that we're going to pose. Could you describe uh, one of your typical work days? What does that include? What are some of the challenges? Um, and if you are in one of the professions, which I'm assuming some of you are, where you don't have a typical work day, that's a fine answer as well. Um, since we started here first, we'll start on your end. Yeah. Um, I'm sure most people would say this, but it's kind of hard to, to say that this is typical, but I guess here's maybe like kind of a mix of different things that I do. So most days start uh, with emails, <laughs> um, catching up on kind of what's going on on the forest that day, um, you know, checking in with various partners we might have working on the forest. Um, so checking in through email first, making sure there are no fires to put out. Um, and then after that, I usually make some rounds in the office to check in with my field technicians and field going staff about what they're what they're going to get up to that day. So kind of helping them, yeah, prioritize work whether it's going out to do botany surveys or treat non-native invasive species, um, or yeah, put up like acoustic monitors for bats. So helping field staff get oriented. Um, after that. Um, maybe I would bump out to Cheap Mountain, so a field site where we have some mine restoration going on right now. Um, so I'm the, I'm the project lead on the Forest Service into that. And so checking in with the contractor, just making sure that they feel like they have the support from us that they need, making sure the work's going well out there. Um, you know, maybe we potentially scout out additional work that they're going to do the following week. Um, so spending some time in the field and then you know, maybe the afternoon would be going back to the office and realizing that um, a new proposal for a new trail has come across my desk. And so as the ecologist, um, it's, yeah, it's part of my job to look over the project and assess it for any potential effects to threatened, endangered, or sensitive plant species. And so what I would do is, you know, load that project into ArcGIS, um, take a look at past botany survey data we have in that area and see if we might have any soil sensitivities, um, any rare plants that might be known there, or, you know, maybe I realized that um, we've never been to this area of the forest and had a survey done within the last decade. And so in that case, I would want to get over one of my technicians and ask if they could you know, move this up on their priority list. And so, um, yeah, doing threatened species reviews for projects. Um, and then lastly, uh, planning and collaborating with partners on projects. So it's pretty common for me to have meetings with Trout Unlimited or uh, the Nature Conservancy Reinforced Work about uh, future opportunities, whether it's, you know, helping them for writing up a grant or working on an agreement with them where we can take forest service money, put that into an agreement where they also bring money into it to get work done that way. So having them 
about the potential work. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much sum up the day. Super. Um, same for me. Uh, there's no such thing as a real typical work day. Uh, I'm essentially a field technician, so I'm very flexible depending on what projects we have going on at the time. Uh, generally, the day starts with emails and catching up with my, the other two in my office. Um, if I have any large ongoing projects, I go to those projects first in the day. I meet with contractors, meet with landowners, see if there's any issues, take notes, record progress, anything of that nature. My other responsibility is completing light engineering work. I guess would be the way to say it. Uh, so our clients are completing conservation projects to improve grazing or water usage or things of that nature on a property. So if those involve any type of earth moving, it requires an engineering design, which I will complete as far as those. If all of that is completed, then I spend my time doing conservation planning. I go through our new applicant list. We will go make field visits, go meet with them, see what their objectives are, see what resources they're working with, see what resources they're hampering, and write up a plan to help them and to get us ready to put, to put them through funding. But it changes day in and day out. Yeah, similar. <laughs> but initially, when I when started my career and with most of our young, younger employees, a lot of their work is, is field oriented, so depending on the weather, uh, but depending on the weather, you would go out, inventory timber, um, look for potential harvest sites, uh, just general property management field activities. Now, as a director of operations, um, you kind of you bridge the gap between all of your boots on the ground managers that, that work with us and then all of our clients that we provide services to. So, you know, a lot of those, a lot, fair amount of communication spent between our managers and our clients to try to help manage uh, client expectations, um, just kind of keep, be completely transparent with our, with our clients, make sure that the, the, the the project staying on time and completing goals uh, accurately and to their and to their satisfaction. In addition to that, there's a fair amount of time spent writing RF requests for proposals or requests for quotes for new work, um, new new business development, things like that. So, you know, I got into this world because I enjoyed spending time out outside. As you get older, that may change a little bit. It did with me, but. Uh, my typical day, four out of five days are spent inside, uh, a lot of time on the phone, in meetings, things like that. But I reserve a day or two a week just to get outside for, for my own personal mental health. And it's, you know, in this position, you kind of choose and pick and choose those days, um, catch the weather like we're having today. Unfortunately, we're here. That's okay. Only four now. Only four now. <laughs> so my typical day is pretty seasonal uh, from May to October. Yeah, I'm in the field quite a bit. The field for me would be our streams and rivers of the state of West Virginia. Um, and during the field period of the year, I would be typically waking up, checking email like everybody else, make sure there's no 
consulting issues that I need to take care of or schedule meetings for lunch breaks or whatever else throughout the day. But then it'd be typically driving out to a site because nothing seems like within the <coughs> But um, getting gear ready, going through safety reviews for scuba diving, which is usually a good portion of what we do during the summer. Um, and then actually surveying, which is going to be, you know, spending time on the bottom of the river, digging up holes if we're doing quantitative surveys, looking for juvenile mussels, seeing recruitment. Um, or sometimes we also do transect surveys where we're looking for more adults and just visually looking and collecting everything we can. Anything that's listed or if we have market and capture studies, it's going to be a lot of data table. So there'll be stuff out of the water to do as well. Do a lot of measuring, you know, tagging, recording tags that have already been put out, going through thousands of muscles, trying to get an idea of where the population or communities are headed over time. Unfortunately, muscles are highly understudied as far as animals go because they're not easy to study. Um, then the off season, so once we hit October, all the way back around to May again, spent a lot of time looking at that data that we collected all summer. Um, spent a lot of time reviewing and talking with federal partners, basically trying to figure out how regulatory it's a re regulatory network, as anyone who works in this business knows, it's, there's nothing simple typically about getting permits through or completed, but I have one section of that, which is that state owns all the stream bottoms in the state, which means that before any projects that are occurring in the river happen, I have to give a muscle clearance. So that's going to require a survey, boards, reviews. So there's a lot of paperwork involved in the off season, but as a technician, I was doing a lot of ArcGIS work in the off season. Um, so it would be my recommendation that you look towards some of those kind of programs. Um, basically getting that data on a map so it's something visual to reference to. So when I do get a call about, you know, there's some kind of blowout or chemical spill on stream, easily jump on ArcGIS, figure it out figure we need to send somebody out to do a kill survey or DEP can handle everything, but it is kind of just different every day to day as well. So, <clears throat> I was in college <clears throat> and uh, one of the things that I remember is whenever I started working in program management, organizational theory, which at the time I was I probably slept in half of those lectures, if I'm going to be honest. But at the time, I was thinking, I've never used this. But that by far was the most used, uh, most, that was by far the thing that I used the most when I graduated. So we talk to students now, and they're sitting in classrooms. What are some skills that they need to be paying attention to while in the classroom now that will lead to them being successful in their roles as they um, choose based off of their background? So, anybody use a thing? We'll maybe just take two minutes or so. I could jump in first and sure. kind of echo what he was just saying about GIS. Um, those skills are huge in natural resource management and would encourage yeah, anyone and everyone to at least get some exposure to GIS. Um, the more the better. 
definitely when it comes to hiring, that's something that I look forward to see if they have, you know, even if they're going to be a primarily field going technician, you know, just seeing that there is some kind of exposure um, lets me know that, you know, they can collect data and field maps, for example, another Esri's product, um, and then bring it back to the office, get it loaded online, you know, have it, have it ready for other people to use those data. Um, something else that, that comes to mind for me um, that I would attribute a lot of my success to is writing. So yeah, ability to, to communicate and I mean, orally, but especially written because a lot of what I do is, you know, uh, doing so threatened endangered sensitive species analyses or writing up project plans. Um, I'm writing every day, pretty much. So really focusing on those communication skills. And those were things that, that I picked up in the classroom that really transferred over. Anyone else? I agree. Uh, GIS is, is so important in today's world. We, we have people don't even know what it is and, and everybody's using it at all times. Being able to link spatial data with, you know, tabular data with a spatial location is, is so important. And we just don't understand how often that, that gets used. Uh, for, but from a forestry perspective, it's, it's uber important, much like uh, the muscle, you know, knowing what's where and, and if there is a problem, uh, it's very similar in, in the forestry world as well. Um, as we're managing forests, and we know that the hemlock woolly delta is is progressing from the northeast, we can we can target forests to do a pre, you know, some type of harvest to utilize that resource prior to uh, it being infected, or focus our our pesticide application to you know to different efforts in certain areas. So, you know, GIS is very important and it can be mundane for, for a lot of people. In our world, um, pure statistics is, is so important as well because, you know, when we do inventories for clients, it's, it, it's so important for them to know how accurate and how, um, how statistically accurate this can be. So, stats was a class that I slept through, I'm certain. And I, I didn't think I would ever use it again, but I, I use it multiple times a day. Um, and in the writing and communication skills, which which you know I, I still struggle with, um, but had I not had that introduction um, in both Glenville and Western University, you know I, I would have more problems than what I have now. And you know it's. It's all building blocks, and and even though you may feel like it's some classes are definitely probably you may not use at some point in your career, but you know all of those are 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 building blocks to get you to a point where you're marketable as a as a, a young adult in the workplace. You're marketable, and, and no employer is looking for that end all be all person, but someone that they feel is willing to learn and use the, the the expertise or the knowledge they gained in school and and in life and to build upon that to, to hopefully build a career with their company. Same question, different audience. So now we're talking to potentially um, faculty members. Um, as you're thinking about 
trends of things that are coming, changes that are happening um, in the space. Uh, maybe talk a little bit to our faculty members about some things that would make DE graduates more competitive compared to other schools if they had an immersion in this. What is that? Soils. <laughs> okay, so I'm essentially in the position I'm in right now, uh, I am hindered from going any further within the agency because I don't have soils experience for my resume. Um, not a big deal being that I wasn't an ag degree, but I think a soils bias, and it ties to everything we all do up here. I do think if there was some soils experience offered at this college, it would be highly beneficial. I would say any kind of field experience, whether that's through your classes or pushing kids to obtain internships or you know just mentorships with one of the agencies in town. You can just hear it out because um, being able to just see that somebody okay they're comfortable being outside. I mean, one of the things on my job applications you have to be able to swim. I mean, but you know just that kind of outdoor experience where it's yeah, you've been out there, you've collected data before. Um, you know, good grades are great, but at the end of the day, I need somebody that can come out and work with us and just sit in the office and see somebody. So, okay. Good advice, good advice. Um, next question. Um, and this question deals more so with diversity, equity, inclusion. But as you all interface with different companies, contractors, um, which companies would you identify as being stronger for minorities or women who are trying to get into this field, um, either private or public companies? I, I don't interface with a whole lot of private companies per se, um, but an organization that, that comes to mind with that question is the Nature Conservancy. Um, I know that, yeah, they spend a lot of time, energy, and effort on, on just that, and so there's someone that comes to mind for you. Likewise, I don't spend much time with private companies, but within my own agency, I, I do see us making a focus on diversity, uh, both in our programs as far as outreach and as our staffing. Um, there's been a big push toward, toward diversity within our own staff, so. I see it all the time. Yes. And it's worked out well for us. I feel like in the forest industry, it's it's without a doubt, it's male dominated. Um, you know, we we've we've currently got a young lady that's a that's a forester and she's an absolute rock star. Um, but she I feel like she enjoys the outdoors much much of the way I got into it and and she kind of followed a very similar path and uh, but but we work with a lot of our clients that um, you know we're a small company but a lot of our clients are very large companies and, and with those folks they have a lot of minorities and, and women within within their ranks and um, they enjoy they, they got into it for different reasons, maybe come from different backgrounds. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's, you know, they may have grown up in a more urban setting and just realized, hey, this is, this is not where I want to be. 
Um, and, and that's really interesting to me. Uh, the fact that I feel like I got into it because this is what I love and this is where I'm born and raised. Uh, you know, some of the, the ladies that we work with get into it because they realize that maybe they don't fit in that urban setting. And they found ways, places to get in um, with different companies. And the forest industry has changed a lot where it's not, I mean, we think of forestry 15 years ago and you thought about wood products, lumber. And, and nowadays forestry is still lumber, but it's, you know, it, it's also moved in this very um, climate focused position, especially in the fact that trees sequester carbon. Well, carbon's a, a known greenhouse gas. And, uh, you know, what and now there's a there's cap and trade systems whether it be voluntary or compliance markets where you can sell forest carbon in standing trees to to these carbon markets and and that's where I see a lot of the uh, a lot of the women end up and and they they fill those roles very well they they fair amount of time spent outside they have excellent communication skills. And, um, you know, it's honestly, from my perspective, a father of two daughters, um, you know, it's, it's very encouraging to see that. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to open it up. We've got uh, some faculty members in the room. Are there questions that you have that um, you might have for the panelists? If not, I've got some more questions, but um, definitely want to give me an opportunity. Um. So, Kevin, you mentioned internships. Our students now um, are required to do a summer internship. So, what's uh, what's the best advice to get an internship with TNR? So, I guess I can speak on two fronts there. I mean, while I was at DNA, I actually had an internship just across the street in Forest Service um, and did a lot of GIS work with uh, Sam Landing while he was there. With the DNR, because um, you're over 18, we can easily get a volunteer agreement. Um, and from there, basically, you can do whatever you have the time to do um, and can find one of the biologists to take you on. I think we have several folks over there that would be happy to take somebody under their wing or have them come out for a couple weeks. It wouldn't be an issue. Um, as far as we also have a lot of I don't know if your internship they're allowed to be made. They are. Okay. Yeah. We do have a lot yeah. of <laughs> I was gonna say we do have a lot of summer temp jobs as well. Um my program we hire two people every year um, to come out and help with basically all those muscle surveys. But fish crew usually has between four and five. Um so so there's usually dozen to fifteen temp jobs every summer. I have a fun question about, so a lot of you guys work for government agencies, any tips and tricks for an in wanting to get hired in a government position? Keep applying. Um, it took me a while to get into federal government. I figured out that if you kept applying and you, on the resume, put everything you've ever done. Don't keep it short. On the federal resume, they want to see those keywords. Put it all on there to where that computer that sorts you finds you, essentially. That's what seems to work best for us. 
Yeah, I, I'd echo that too. Definitely when it comes to federal resumes, like the whole one or two page thing is out the window. You can have the 18-page resume and that would be okay in the federal system. Um, yeah, put as much detail as you can into it um, and really highlight your experience. Um, like, yeah, something I had written down is things that we look for, experience, experience, and experience. Um, so really focusing on that and something I would say that as someone who does a little bit of hiring and I've heard the same from my colleagues is experience is often more worthwhile than a graduate degree is when it comes to the forest service at least. I guess I'll chime in from the state's side of you know full-time hiring is the first person that's going to be sorting you is not going to be a biologist it's not going to be a biologist except in division of personnel who works in HR so those keywords are really key that they just mentioned. Make sure that you add as much detail as possible. If they're asking a very specific question, like, do you have this experience? Make sure you, if you do, you make it very clear that you do, because again, it's not, if you detail some high, you know, lingo that somebody in HR is not going to understand, they may just deny it because they didn't have the right person. So, us as the biologists who are actually doing the hiring will never actually see your application. The other thing with the state is by the time a job is posted, a lot of times it's too late to actually apply. <laughs> um, we have a federal, well, we have a register system where basically you register for a biologist one position, and then every bio one position that comes up, you will be asked, do you want to apply for this? So it is difficult for us to hire personally, and hopefully this will be changing soon. But I would say if you're interested with the state, you do need to try to get in with the DOB and get on the red state registers. Prep work. Yes. I think the same with like US jobs, like get your resume and all of that prep work done. Transcripts. Yeah, transcripts. Um, for um, for us, we, we were mentioning before we started, we're brand new in forestry. Um, our forest tech um, program is going through accreditation right now. Any tips for private industry, those um, kids just graduating with forest tech degree, um, what, what should they be looking for for a good company? Yeah, well, Fortunately, here in Central West Virginia, there's there, there's a ton of the traditional type of forestry jobs. You know, that would be procurement, which is buying standing timber, maybe to feed a sawmill. It could be working for a state or federal agency, uh, forest service or division of forestry. Those those folks are. are at least the division of forestry side of things, it feels like they're always understaffed. Um, DNR, the NRCS, you know, there's a lot of foresters that, that work within those folks. Private industry, you know, there's the service-oriented side, which is the path that I decided to take. Um, you know, we've got several forestry consultants that, that operate in the area. In addition to that, there's that whole carbon market that that I was speaking of earlier, um, and and they absorb a lot of forestry students. Um, typically, those are 
commensuration based measurements on basically the size of timber inventories. Uh, that's that's the kind of folks that they're looking for. Um, but they also have people that may be compliance um, focused based on, you know, what forest or what certification are these privately owned forests. There, there are folks that's, that focus specifically on forest certification. So, you know, fortunately, there's a lot of opportunity here um, locally in the forest community, not not necessarily the tra traditional route that we would have thought about 15 years ago, um, but you know there, there's a fair amount of opportunity. The Nature Conservancy they have uh, they have foresters opportunities that work for them. There's their nonprofit organization which we do a, a ton of work for TNC, um, and well, it's just if if you're interested in this path. I, I strongly urge you to lay some groundwork early while you're still in school. Number one, to, to, to feel it out and see if this is right for you. Um, but number two, to also get your name out there with, with folks, whether it be private um, or, or government-based, just to get your, your name and, 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 and get to be known out there. So you know, try to be active in the career that you think you're going to focus in to to four or five years down the road. That's great advice. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned like markets and like, while you guys have those pretty specific jobs, you probably won't offer like a muscles course or like a carbon marketing course maybe to touch on. Are some of those skills you think are things that like you'll learn in the job or you think there's some skills students should try to focus on more? From the carbon perspective, it's all about um, mensuration measurements and so a good understanding of of how uh the different inventories are designed and how those volumes are calculated that's that's how nearly everybody that or in the emerging it's not what we call it emerging carbon markets now but in the early carbon markets that's how they 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 got their experience was just understanding mensuration and you know um, i mean that's that's a really big deal when, when we're looking specifically for an intern we want to make sure that they have a, a general idea of their their, their species their dendrology and because so much of our work is focused around inventories uh, a very 101 idea of of mensuration and from that the rest of it is kind of up to the person and what their interest, where their interests lie, and their or more their interest than their ability. All right. So um, now we're going to go with closing remarks. So as you think through all the things that we've talked about in your closing remarks, if your company provides internships, which I think we've already kind of talked about or volunteer opportunities, or if you have a full-time job that you are struggling to fill, um, please include that in your closing remarks. Uh, and then one piece of advice from our alum to our current students um, as it pertains to connecting with you or connecting with the field uh, would also be helpful. 
So closing remarks at this point. And we'll start in the middle since we've done this. Sorry, no pressure. Okay. I'll go ahead and start. Um, yeah, just in summary, you know, I think if, if you enjoy the outdoors uh, and, you know, I feel like this is a good, um, if you enjoy the outdoors and you like science and, and just, you know, no matter what it is, uh, I will say that that finding a career that, that puts you where you enjoy, it does make um, the, the days pass by a lot quicker. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 24 years now, and I've never regretted my career decision. Um, you know, there's definitely days I've been frustrated because like you're beating your head against the wall, but at the end of the day, I'm still very happy with the decisions that I've made to, that, that brought me here. Um, and I encourage you to do that early on in your career. You know, it's all building blocks to get you somewhere, uh, somewhere that you enjoy, that you're comfortable with somewhere down the road. So, you know, I encourage you to, to immerse yourself or, or get experience anywhere you can, whether it's paid or unpaid, and, uh, you know, try to start that early. We do offer internships. Our internships are, are paid. Uh, normally, it's field-type work that, that you would be conducting, um, and all that's kind of weather-dependent. But uh, we, we normally hire two to three interns or attempt to hire two to three interns every year. We have a, a current full-time position. It would be a force manager's position in New South Central Kentucky. We also have a technician-level position based out of our Somersville office here in West Virginia. Those are current opportunities with landlord forestry. So that's where we're at. I'll echo pretty much everything just said. Um, experience, getting experience while you're in college and trying to figure out while you're in college where you want to go is very important. I'm sorry, can, I, can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> one more time, one more time for the camera so that they get it. Getting experience while you're in school to figure out where you want to go is very important. Um, I think that was a large, I attribute where I've ended up due to that. Um, working with Trout Unlimited, meeting these federal agencies one-on-one and figuring out what they do is, is really why I achieved what I did, in my opinion. Um, without a master's, it's hard in the federal workforce and state workforce, to be honest with you. Um, so that, that was very important to me. Um, those experiences don't always have to be, you know, a formal internship or formal payment. Um, volunteer days are great. You get to meet lots of different people on, on let's say, a tree planting or, or something like that. Um, on top of that, you said now it's required to do an internship. You should have one every summer while you're in college, especially in these fields. It's imperative to be in the field, learning those skills, and getting that experience. Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat that so soon? Are you a child for services? Say that again. Uh, yeah, it's just it's tough. It, it's important to learn these, these field skills. Um, what's in that textbook isn't what you're using every day, but knowing how to use data collection equipment, how to use a Billmore stick, how to use this, these field tools is what's important. So learning that is, um, with my agency, we do hire internships through the Pathways Program. So the Federal Pathways Program, uh, you work as an intern 
while you're in school, usually two to three years. After graduation and completion of so many hours, you all automatically turn into a full-time employee. Um, we use it in kind of a funny way. We generally use it to fill odd positions, for lack of a better word. Um, but we have five to six only hire per year. So those are usually posted for USA Jobs. If you want federal workforce, learn USA Jobs, figure that out. It's it's a bear at first, but it's imperative to figure out how to use it and prepare yourself for when you graduate to move forward. Awesome. Yeah, hard to, hard to follow that. I mean, really, I would just echo everything he said, you know, as someone who works for another federal agency. Um, so the Forest Service also offers the same pathways program that you mentioned, um, and we hire for several of those per year. Um, the Forest Service also offers summer internship opportunities. Um, one thing to note about those is that they're going to um, actually go out and, and be listed on USA Jobs in December, so next month, for the upcoming summer. So you really got to have your stuff together and be planning ahead. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that to come out next month. Um, I know at least two summer internships that are going to be offered on our forest with um, wildlife biologists. Um, so out with you working on districts. Um, yeah, uh, you know, but, uh, like with the DNR, we also um, will always happily welcome volunteers. So, you know, if you're just interested in coming out for a couple of days, a few days, and want to see what we do to give experience that way, you know, I'd be happy to try to set you up with some folks to make that happen. Um, it potentially could be something longer term as well. Um, we do volunteer tree plantings in the spring if you want to get out and get the on a project. Um, and yeah, just as for closing remarks, um, I would just highlight experience again, uh, something that I was thinking about as, we, as we've been talking up here is something that I wish I had done was taken one or two years before going to grad school to get more experience to figure out, you know, which field exactly do I want to go into. Um, and, you know, that also helps you build up more connections, which for me has been super important. So don't be afraid to cold call, cold call someone or send an email to someone, you know, even if you think I've never met this person, nothing's going to come of this. You never know what can happen. And that's kind of what, what happened with me getting off with green forest work that led to me then working with the forest service. So just put yourself out there and good things will happen. I guess I'll kind of echo something that was said by a few folks, but it's okay if you don't know exactly what you want to do. Uh, I definitely did not know when I was coming out of DD with an environmental science degree. I answered a flyer that was, I think, one floor down um, that was just posted on the wall for a, you know, freshwater mussel tank job, and I had no experience in that. Didn't even know really what mussels were at that point. Um, but I did that for two years straight out of undergrad, and was, I mean, really great experience as far as figuring out that I wanted to work in freshwater ecology. Um, and that's where I went. Go get my master's in freshwater ecology, then uh, moving on to WPU on the same path. Uh, but along the lines, I'd say 
a lot of these fields, especially as you get more specialized, are not very big. Um, meaning a reference from one person that other people know is huge. Um, even in tangential fields, we all talk to each other. That network web of regulators and everything else, we talk to a lot of people. So if you can get a reference from someone that someone else knows that can carry you through your whole career sometimes as far as, oh, I've worked for that person. You know, their, their recommendation means a lot to me because I can call them. Um, so i say definitely get out there, get experience, you know, get a good letter of rent. Um, so on behalf of Davis Nelkins College, I want to thank you all so much for coming and for being here and providing this information. Uh, sorry we didn't have a packed room, um, but uh, the information is stored and we're going to get that information out to students. One of the things that we are learning after COVID is student engagement is just a little different. So um, how we engage students and get students to engage with information is, is something that we're experimenting with. That said, um, with this being recorded, we did a careers and um, social sciences and psychology and did the same thing and, and emailed it. We had like 20 students show and emailed it out and then we ended up having um, a close to 300 students looking at it. So know that your words are valued and they're going to be sent to our students and they're going to have an opportunity to purchase them. And then if you have a business card, I'd love to get your business card. That way we can tell students how to reach out to you if they have questions. Um, but that said, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Please know it was not wasted. We're going to utilize this, um, especially the career services stuff that you said. You probably would be the lead of the house. Uh, but uh, really, trying to get students to think. The other thing that I really want to mention is mentorships. As we think about this field, listening to all of you, mentorship seems to me like the best way to ensure someone has a successful career um, in any of these areas. So I'll probably will be reaching out to you about mentorship and trying to set up some mentorships with some of our students here. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Sorry. Thanks.